Welcome. This is season three of The Daily Marketer, where we've decided to do something a little special. Earlier this year, startup junkie and marketplace master Ty Wolf Jones, hey Ty, approached me and pitched us the idea of instead of interviewing founders and marketers, why don't we dive into the world of marketplaces, the VH1 behind the music of marketplaces, or what is the making of the sausage of a marketplace? Ty could bring the operations point of view, and I could bring the marketing point of view, and we could make some marketplace magic, or maybe a little more like marketplace mayhem. So join us for the series where we've spoken to over a dozen marketplace leaders and pioneers from Uber, Convoy, Bellhop, DoorDash, Rover, but also some rising stars and marketplaces from multiple countries, venture capitalists, and more. You're not going to want to miss an episode. So you mentioned unit economics. Can can you define unit economics? And then after that, how, how do you end up figuring out and testing out the unit economics work? Yeah, so um, I think unit economics are the key to almost every business. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, most people, if they can just take a short tutorial on, on unit economics, don't need to go to business school. And in my IT, I've been teaching for, for you know, 20 plus years at the University of Washington. Entrepreneurship, we spend a lot of time in each of the the folks in the class starts a business. And I, I spend an extraordinary amount of time in each of those cases, really honing in on, on unit economics of the business, because that really is crucial. What is unit economics? That's, you know, at its core, it is, are you able to acquire and service a customer for less money than it costs you to acquire that customer? So, so sorry, are you able to that's I said that wrong. Are you able to get money from a customer? In other words, there's a is the lifetime value of that customer greater than the cost of acquiring and servicing that customer? So can you get is that customer worth in terms of how much cash they're going to give you over time more than how much it costs you to both get them in the first place and then service them over time? What's amazing is a lot of businesses that equation doesn't work, and you can't wow. scale. If that equation doesn't work, you can't scale that. <laughs> you mm. can't lose money mm. to every customer and scale that to success. So hopefully that equation works, and then the question becomes: Well, wait a second. Like, like so. For example, on the first transaction, what if I don't make back all my money? Uh, a key component to unit economics is payback periods. The way people investors, but also good operators think about it is in terms of two things. One is payback. So what that means in the unit economic sense is how long does it take me to pay back my cost of acquisition? So let's take Rover as an example, because we've been talking about that. And I know Jacob used to work there. So let's say someone pays you, let's say it costs us 40 bucks to acquire a customer on average or, or some number like that. Um, okay. Um, how long then, if the typical transaction size, let's say, is 100 bucks and we're going to take 20, 25% of that, then 25, then it's going to take us two trans, you know, so we get 25 bucks, let's say, or 20, 25 bucks per transaction on average. And it's going to take approximately two transactions to uh, uh, pay back for that customer. How, how, how long does it take to get those two transactions? That may be four or five months. And so anyway, so you're trying to figure out what's the time period where you get that 
initial payback. If that time period is too long, then you're going to have problems financing it because you might say, I got great payback, but it takes me, sorry, I got great, you didn't that down, so it takes me two years to pay that out, but pay off that initial purchase. No one's going to want to fund that. It takes too long. There's too much risk. So payback is a really important number. You know, optimally, you'd like to have that in under six months. Um, under a year is considered good enough. But you want to have payback. Again, how fast can you pay back a customer's expense, the cost of, of how much it costs you to acquire that customer? Um, really crucial metric that that all great investors and operators are really focused on. Um, by the way, all kinds of nuances to this. So, for example, right. when you're talking about lifetime value of a customer, how much it costs you to be, there's so many ways to, to sort of toggle that. Let's just take acquisition, for example. Well, are you including the, the customers you got for free? Are you, you know, the way you should think about it is the incremental customer. So you're like to acquire that next customer, not how much have I acquired in the past. But now I'm acquiring that next customer. Am I willing to pay? How much am I willing to pay? Let's say you, you know, you've used up all your, your, your free and your Google. And then now you're talking about Facebook, which tends to be a little more expensive. Let's say that costs you a hundred bucks to acquire a customer. Well, if that payback is going to be a lot longer period than maybe some of your customers you got through cheaper channels. And so you have to think about it and sort of that incremental customer, not just sort of a blend everything and, and, all together. And anyway, there's all kinds of nuances around that. The second thing people look at, in addition to payback, is lifetime value, you know, the sort of the 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 classic way to look about unit economics is 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 sort of lifetime value of that customer over the cost of acquiring and servicing. And you'd like that number. So for example, let's say the value of a customer, we keep using Rover as an example, let's say is you know, a couple hundred dollars and it costs us, you know, 30, 40 bucks to acquire. So, so, so then maybe you're saying, Hey, that's a seven or eight or nine or 10 times, you know, lifetime value over the cost of acquiring. You probably should include the cost. Again, it's sort of the, you're using net numbers here. So the mm-hmm. cost of servicing that should be into that, that, into that, into that, um, into that lifetime value number. And I would say in terms of what you're looking for there, so you're looking for a payback and sort of that six to 12 month time period, you know, obviously optimally have it even better than that, but that sort of would be good. And then in terms of, of, of lifetime value over, over CAC cost of customer acquisition, what you're looking for is something in that four or five times is good as you get sort of above five, six, seven, that's really, that's extraordinary. And frankly, if it's too high, then you're probably not spending enough to acquire customers. Um, and so you don't ever want that number to get too high. Now, um, you know, you're playing off payback and cost of the customer and you're, you're playing with all those things, but that's one way to look at it. Um, it may be the case that early days, those numbers, you know, don't look as good. And as you continue to improve conversion and do things, those numbers can get better. And so, one of the things that you're looking at is not just sort of what's happening today, but where you think the business can be from a unit economics basis in sort of a more steady state. Anyway, long-winded tutorial no, it's, on this unit is, economics, it's, it's but good. it's useful. Yeah. Rover holds a dear place in my heart uh, because I actually worked on the sitter side and it was doing the paid marketing to get sitters, right? 
And yeah. we were we were using these same concepts of unit economics. And I think I just I, I must have been a, such a greenhorn when I was working there because I thought it was expensive to get pet sitters, but at assurance, it's a it's a whole nother multiplier of of how expensive it is and how long the funnel is, right? Because to get a sitter, it could be a two or three week process until they're searchable. And then, you know, before they take a booking or before they have a meet and greet. And it's, yeah, the complexity on the demand side is, can be mirrored on the supply side as well. For sure. And, and, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully again, you can come up with, with scalable, interesting ways to do it versus sort of more ad hoc. But like the nice thing about assurance is I would imagine the lifetime value of those customers is very high. So you're willing to, uh, you're willing to pay more for them. And you're also willing to um, probably have longer paybacks uh, just because the lifetime value is, is so high over time. Um, yeah. And so that's what you're also looking at for business. But, but, but Rover is a tremendous business from a unit economics yeah. standpoint. Yeah, it's fun. Ty, do we want to go into the chicken and the egg stuff now? What do you think? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he kind of teed it up earlier. So yeah. I think, uh, uh-oh. Well, now you're making me nervous. <laughs> I don't know what I teed up earlier before <laughs> so, I can so, answer it. So chicken and the egg, it's it's we're trying to make it the the, the thematic topic of the entire season, which is there's a chicken and an egg problem, supply and demand. Egg is the supply, chicken is mm-hmm. the demand. And how do you think about which one comes first? Or in regards to the work that you do, Greg, how do you coach founders to think about this to to, to really have the most success? while they're building and growing fast, hopefully. Yeah. One thing I've noticed about, especially especially folks that come from larger companies and they're coming in and starting a company, is I think people spend too much time focused on how they're going to get their 10th customer or their 100th customer. And what we try to do at PSL is, how are you going to get your first customer. <laughs> Just one. I'm always like one, 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 one customer, one sale, you know, one pro and like can, yeah. can we do that next week? Because people are like, oh yeah, in six months we'll have our first. I'm like, how about next week? Like, and let's put this up by like, you know, let's just let's just slap what's the minimal can we actually write no code? Can we do like nothing? How, how do we get that first customer to come and what's the you know how do we what's the minimal amount we can do to sort of try to get that and then and then how do we get the second one and then the third one and so for the chicken and egg thing it's like well how much supply would we need to just get one customer mm-hmm. well maybe you need to have two or three because the the scheduling doesn't work so you maybe need to get let's take the case of the of the therapist so maybe you need two or three therapists but you probably don't need mm-hmm. more than that don't try to go sign up a hundred therapists Try to sign up one or two and then go get your first cut and do an appointment and see what happens and see what the cut. And then you go get a set. To me, it's like, I think the best companies, and we really have focused on this with, uh, you know, with our joint studio and with our current companies is, is just go and get me one customer um, and then get two and then get three and then get 10 and then, you know, and build that way. And it's amazing how few people, Sort of do that. Like, like, well, we need to build so much more before we can get 
you know, a customer sign up. Do you? Are you sure? <laughs> Can we just do what's it going to take to get one? Okay, I got this customer interested, you know, and I got this other one's interested. In this. Okay, well, wh- what's the fastest way to get one? And then how do we get two? And so the chicken and egg thing to me is, is, you know, I say this all the time is like, get me one. Let's go get one. How, how do we get, what are we going to do to get one? Are we going to, you know, we're working on one right now in the, in the sort of sustainability energy space. Let's do one deal. It's not do 10, like we could go do 10 deals, build a platform, you know, do all this. Like, how do we get one, one nice. deal, one customer? one thing over the finish line and and let's just focus maniacally on that and the learning that you get from that first customer is crazy valuable because what you might learn is wow that's not even a customer we would want the next you know or like here's the issues that we had or here's the thing we need to build next because these are the problems Mm -hmm. we ran it's just so useful and so many of our failures at PSL, but even in venture, happen because people build so much stuff. And it turns out, I don't care who you are, how brilliant you are, so much of it was like unneeded for the first phase. So we don't worry as much about, I mean, you, you know, you want to make smart architecture decisions and other kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not worried about getting my thousandth customer. I'm worried about getting one and then 10. And listen, you know, you're going to have to go back and rewrite a lot of the code and do different things. Mm-hmm. That's just part of this world that we live in. Um, I would just encourage, you know, folks to really focus on getting that first thing and just doing one. I always say one, one, one. We get one deal, even in a marketplace. Okay. Instead of trying to figure out how we build all this product and all this magic, can we just match people more like manually? Can you hop on the phone? I'm like, listen, hop on the yeah. phone. Hey, yeah. you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this and then, and then put them together through the thing. Like, like it doesn't all have to be built. And so um, I remember for June, again, this company we were talking about and, and the CEO there was fantastic about this. Josh, he's just like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm going to put this together. I'm just going to get one customer. We're going to set them up in a video. We're going to see if this works. And my view on the MVP is if you're not fundamentally embarrassed by your, by your MVP, then it's pro- you spent too much time. You should be embarrassed. Like you don't want to show people that MVP because it's like it is not ready it's for too raw. Like, too raw. It is raw. But and, it's raw and, enough. And it's raw enough so that you can satisfy the needs of one customer. Like you should be a little bit embarrassed. And if they knew like what you were doing on the back end, you'd be like, oh gosh, like, you know. Um to me, that's a, a good MVP. And frankly, what you might decide is, oh, we're we're targeting, you know, the wrong folks. We're we've got to focus more here or there. But anyway, that's a, that's a piece of advice I'd give on the chicken and egg thing is is instead of worrying about which sides, like the answer is is which side is going to get you one customer. Yeah, I love the simplicity of that, um, and it really flips. I think with a lot of people think about marketplaces and you know, how to, how to think about them. That, that's great. I have noticed with some of these larger folks come from larger companies, they come in like, well, you know, they really are focused on how we're going to get our thousandth customer. And I'm like, mm. gosh, I'm just focused on how we're going to get our first customer. Mm-hmm. That's, the, you know, I'm not like, to me, like, that's the hardest one. <laughs> customer right. number one, customer number one. And it's, your first conversion data point as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that circling back. The, the the question, Ty, and I had 
uh, talk tracked was next. But how would you get more customers? <laughs> I think I think we're going to not ask that, uh, but I think it would be really interesting to talk about one of these companies that Pioneer Square Labs is 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 working with and started with just Yesler. Uh, and maybe we could talk about how, how did they get their first customer? Well, I, you know, fantastic. Same exact method where they, mm-hmm. uh, what I love about that company is maniacal focus on that first customer. And they're like, okay, how do we just solve a problem for one of these folks? And it was, uh, you know, they called it one, 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 you know, one customer, one transaction, one, you know, uh, one, you know, mill one. I mean, it was just, it was exactly the same kind of way that's in the, uh, building product space. It's a marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's amazing is the lack of transparency in, in that market. And, it's a great company because it's sort of saying, "Hey, like, still so much of this is done manually, and now we're going to take it and 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 put it on to, uh, you know, into a more classic marketplace." I think there are, are opportunities like Yesler that are ripe all over the place, but basically taking some of these, some 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 of these industries that again, especially as folks move more towards a younger generation now taking over, who's much more used to real-time data uh you, mm. you know using their phones to do transactions yeah. all those sorts of things um uh, my sense is is that across a lot of industries you're going to see change and more technology come into uh into play yes there is one of those you know um and the, and the founders there are from you know from that background so they they used to be the folks that were on the phones mm. doing these sorts of transactions they're like okay um, you know, how do we, how do we simplify this? And again, how do we just do one transaction and then let's do more. But, but, but again, a lot of the, my mentioning this was, was born from yes, they're really, again, wow. it, it was like called one, one, one. Um, and, um, I'll never forget how, how powerful I thought that was. What was that last one? one? I can't, now I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was like one customer, one transaction, one yeah, there was like they had like another what the last one was, but it was again, it was just back to that just yeah. n- narrow, 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 you know. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just loved it. I love how focused it was. And yes, you know, sorry. Always, yeah, so sorry. It's it's a market just for the audience. It's a marketplace for lumber, right? Cor- correct. Building products, l- lumber. Yes. And what were you going to say? I was just going to jump in. I was going to say on the other side of COVID, how did, how did they fare with, you know, a lot of that, that the literally the market for lumber um, being as crazy as it's been the last year. Yeah. I mean, um, Matt Myers, who's the CEO has sort of lived through uh, the ups and downs of this, uh, of that, of that market and and definitely supply chain and, and, Mm -hmm. and lumber have been affected. But I think, COVID, I think, presents challenges and opportunities for all these businesses. So even though that lumber market is has been challenged in many ways by what's been happening sort of in the supply chain across the globe, frankly, but I do think it will accelerate, you know, change of behavior in a lot of ways too, which should be to the benefit of Yesler over time. And so we talked about getting the first customer. How about getting the first supplier, whatever the supply is. So maybe in the, the example of mm-hmm. Yesler, 
how, how are they thinking about getting their first supplier? Is that not, not a problem? Well, it's always a problem, but usually I don't know what your experience has been, Jacob, but being that you worked on the supply side, which I've always found that supply was interested. And so what you're typically going to a support, whether it's a dog sitter or a, or a lumber mill or, 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 or who, you know, you know, or whatever might be on the supply side, you got to go to them with a powerful value proposition. That's kind of a no brainer. And a lot of times it's like, for example, on the Rover, it's like, would you like to make money just sitting at home watching, you know, doing what you love anyway, which is being around dogs. Uh, and lumber says, Hey, w- um, you know, can we facilitate some transactions for you and write you some checks? Would you be interested in being written some checks um, that you might not otherwise get? Yes, I would be interested. Would you be interested in having more efficiency if, if, if you know, mm. as part of your process potentially? And so it depends who you're talking to, what the argument might be. But okay. typically on the supply side, you've got some, you've got some, Traditional players who don't want to, who like the status quo, don't want to see it change. And that might not be your first set of suppliers. So you may go to, to, mm-hmm. to younger ones. You may try to go after a part of the industry that is maybe uh, up and coming or growing fast or where there's a supply pro- or there's some kind of problem or some kind of, of, um, you know, new demand coming on. And so a lot of times you're really trying to pick. Um, you may, there may be certain suppliers that are more forward leaning. They're trying to be mm-hmm. disruptors in some way. So you're really trying to be smart about how you pick some of those early customers, um, you know, regardless of the industry. Um, but in the case of Yesler, you know, there are, you know, a lot of folks that are sort of feeling like, Hey, you know, um, change is, is, is inevitable. It's going to happen over time. And I want to get out in front. And so those are going to be your early suppliers. Yeah. Very. Yeah, t- totally. That's, that's really interesting. Um, so, so I think we're going to start wrapping up here. We just have a few more questions for you. So we do something called rapid mayhem questions. So okay. Greg, if you're ready, I'm tell, always ready. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. What marketplace would Greg Gottesman be? It could be an existing marketplace. What what would I be? What marketplace yeah. would I? Yeah, I, like, like Ty, Ty. We we did an interview with Ty yesterday, and Ty said I would be DoorDash because I admire Door. I admire DoorDash. So maybe you'd be Uber, or maybe you'd be Rover. I would definitely be Rovers because okay. I have such a such a you know that was the first one that I was involved with, and and I just have a and I and I love dogs. Love it. Best marketplace of all time. Amazon. That's a good answer. What marketplace do you like that is not so popular or well-known, but maybe should be? June. I think it's solving a very important problem around mental health for young people. And, and, um, and I just think, um, I think it's just needed in the world. I second that. What's your favorite marketplace that failed? Cosmo.com back in the day. Um, oh, wow. Who yeah. were they? The Cosmo.com was uh, an early marketplace that um, used to deliver. Uh, I have a great story. Would you like to hear my Cosmo.com yeah. story? 
Hell yeah. Okay. Absolutely. This is a true Cosmo.com. It used to deliver movies, you know, uh, usually VHS movies and, and, uh, um, and then candy and other kinds of things, you know, sundry items, if you will. So uh, this was back in, I want to say maybe 1999 or 1990 or 2000 or something right around, you know, right before the crash. So probably 1998, 1999. And um, my wife and I, big movie buffs. So, and this is a story about business model, by the way. Um, Great. And uh, my wife, uh, we had rented this movie called Cutthroat Island. Do you remember Cutthroat Island? Oh, yeah. Gina, see, Ty is there with me. So I'm right there with you, man. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a toddler when this is happening. Yes. Yeah. Gina Davis. It was kind of like an action. Flick. It wasn't the world's greatest movie, but it was kind of an action flick. You know, think of like Indiana Jones with a women's star type of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're watching Cutthroat Island. And my wife says to me, we would have been married just a short amount of time at that point. And she says to me, Greg, wouldn't it be great if we had some junior mints? And I said to her, it would be great if we had some junior mints um, because they're so fun to eat while you're watching a movie and they're so That's refreshing. So okay. Yeah. So um, I said that and I said, watch this. And I go to my computer and I type in kozmo.com and I order one box of junior mints, 79 cents. And we start watching Cutthroat Island. And uh, about 30 minutes later, we hear this knock on the door. I'll make the sound for your viewers here, your listeners. So we hear that. Oh, Shannon's like, who's that? I'm like, watch this. I go to the door and the guy says he's been on a bike and he has this little pouch. He hands me this one box of junior mints. And they had been, you know, they had been like in a heated area. So they were a little bit melted, but, but they were junior mints nonetheless. And, um, I said, well, I, can I tip you? He's like, no, not supposed to take a tip on first delivery. I'm like, okay, thank oh you very much. Off he goes. And I bring that in and I'm like, I walk in and I show my wife a box of junior mints. And she looked at me and I know, Jake, I don't know if you or Ty, are you are either one of you married? I am. Okay. So Ty will get this, Jacob. One. When you've been married for a long period of time, there are like, Several times where your wife looks at you and says, I am so happy that I married this person. I am so glad. But it's typically like your wedding day. And it may be years before that look gets exchanged again. It may be a long time. I showed up with that box of junior mints and my wife gave me that look. Like, this man is incredible. Like he magically made, she literally said, how did you do that? I said, Cosmo.com. Okay. So I I go over. Commercial ends. Yeah. We we enjoy the box of junior mints. The issue was, of course, that to deliver, at least at that time, that box of junior mints, it was something like 14 bucks or something like that. (laughs) So even though they create, we can all agree they created a huge amount Mm. of value for me. Yeah. Um, they didn't capture any of the value. I basically paid 79 cents for that one box. So it's a classic example of a, of a, of a wonderful failed, you know, marketplace, you know, marketplace in that case um, that, uh, that, uh, that didn't make it more than, I think it lasted another six months or so before it went out of business. Right. Uh, but, um, but yes, that's my favorite failed one just because. Really ahead re- of their time. 
Yes, for that, yeah, they were ahead of their time. But and for that brief moment, my wife thought I was the most amazing person on the planet because I delivered her a box of Junior Mints in the middle of that movie. Um, Love yeah. It. This is just like what you talked about yesterday with the magic moment of watch this and just black car shows up, right? Like yeah. this is another manifestation of the beauty <laughs> of the internet coming, and it's like, yeah, watch what this can do. Bam. Right. And then yeah. here it is. I mean, isn't it interesting? Yeah. I remember, I think it was like John Doerr, someone was saying, like, this is that the internet was underhyped. And everyone was like, no, this is right during the middle of the crash. And mm. and people were like, oh, why? Like, how can you say that? And now you look back and you're like, mm-hmm. the internet may have been the most underhyped thing ever. Absolutely. Right. It just, I mean, think of, think of the, the sh- think of what happened during COVID. I mean, all of the way, like whether it's streaming, whether it's food delivery, what, I mean, just like the massiveness of the change. And the internet has not been around that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, if anything, even though uh, there's been crazy values and up and down markets and so if anything, I think all of us, I don't care who you were, underestimated the just the. Uh, uh, the true power of this uh, of, of 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 this you know digital connection that we've all uh, made yeah. and, and we've all you know all of us in in many ways have benefited from it and just you know feel so lucky to be a part of this time be in That's Seattle right. this time be a part of this community so true that yeah. you guys are are talking to at this time where we're literally um, you know reinventing so much and it just we're just lucky. Um, lucky to be a part of it. Lucky to be in a place where this kind of change is happening. Lucky to be around people. Just feel so so grateful and fortunate to be able yeah. to be um, totally able agree. to participate. Um, yeah, it's a great and, reminder. And, yeah, and our kids. I think. Well, I just think we're still in early days of of AI and early days of of understanding. Sort of, you know what all this what all this technology can do for us hopefully in positive ways um obviously big challenge i you know you could say things like facebook and some of the division other things that that have been exacerbated so it all it has not all been good but i think the net of it has been positive mostly good massively yeah Yeah. and then last rapid mayhem question what's a marketplace that doesn't exist yet but it should. And Greg, you come up with ideas often. So I think you probably have some in your pocket. Yeah, we're working on one right now to enable people to invest in um, sustainable energy companies that, uh, mm. you know, where we can match, you know, uh, uh, sustainable projects uh, with retail investors that want to Ooh. invest behind their values. So um, that's what, that's an idea that I'm spending a lot of time on now. I think it's really important. And by the time this podcast comes out, hopefully we'll have some, hopefully we'll have some, some more traction there. Count me in. I'll, I'll be one of those, yeah, those customers. Uh, that's similar to, it's a fundrise, fundrise invests in, it's almost like a, a REIT, right? So real estate investment trust, but they do it like the wealth front style. So you make these monthly investments of a hundred or a thousand dollars and then you get access to a certain class of real estate investments. And then another yes. company arrived is doing in real, like specifically investing in specific homes. So you get like a market share of a home. So maybe you get, you know, maybe 1% or 10% of a home, but it's unlocking the ability to invest in real estate investment properties. So this is 
similar to that, but you know, more sustainability, green energy, and longer, longer time horizon, right? You nailed it, Jacob. I think um, you know we're investors in uh, in Arrived, um, and oh, so in okay. fact, one of one of the founders is uh, my partner Julie Sandler's husband, uh, Ale um, uh, Choza, and so um, know that business obviously really well. Think extremely high of it about it, and sort of a democratization, as you said, of this sort of re- this this residential exactly. real estate class. Um, I think energy is another really interesting area, specifically sustainable energy. And I don't think anyone's done that well. I think there's all no. kinds of challenges. And and hopefully by the time, again, this airs, um, we'll have made a lot of progress. But that's one that I've uh, been spending a lot of time thinking about and working on. Super cool. So so we had, a, cool. we had a question, what's the next big step change in marketplaces? But I, I, I think you're already on to something with the sustainability marketplace. I hope so. I think that... Um, I think there's a lot of folks that want to participate in making this world, you know, this one earth that we have better. And so I think there are opportunities for marketplaces that hopefully do well and do good at the same time. Those are my favorite. I think Rover applies that. June applies that. This one that we're talking about applies this boundless immigration. I mean, I love companies that can both provide, you know, wonderful service uh, but then also at the same time, you know, uh, well, you know, be profitable and be great businesses over time, but then also do some good. Those are super exciting. And I think there's a lot of those marketplaces still left to be built. Yeah. And they have that magic of fulfilling, being fulfilling for your soul. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes, definitely for me. Yeah. De- definitely for, for me. Um, um, those are the most uh, rewarding, as you said, uh, both, uh, you know, in terms of building them, but then being just a part of that journey. Um, you know, someone, one of our founders, Josh Hurst, who's the CEO of, uh, of June, which I get a chance to work with. He, I was complaining to him years ago about the Mariners not being in the, in the playoffs um, and saying, um, expressing some frustration because I'm a baseball fan and it's been a you know while since the Mariners have, have been in the, in the, in the playoffs. And, too long. And he and he looked at me and said, uh, "Greg, he goes, you're missing the point. I always like the uh, the season better than the than the, the end. He's like, it's about the journey. And I've always remember, I'm like, you know what? You're so right. Like, <laughs> it really is all for all of us. Like, the mm-hmm. fun of this of this position that we're all in is not the end result uh, as much as this as the grinding and the the work that it takes to hopefully get there and build something. And there's just, I think there's just some real pleasure in the journey uh, and being a part of these early companies that are trying to do great things. That's my favorite time uh, is, uh, is to be involved uh, when, um, when, you know, you're still choosing which, which crazy path to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is super fun. Yeah, well, it's been super fun talking to you. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll do something again another time. But Greg, where can we find you? And do you have any asks for the audience before we go? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm great on email. So Greg at PSL.com. Just think pumpkin spice latte. Um, <laughs> it's a little sugary drink, but it's Pioneer Square Labs, but it's PSL.com. So Greg, just one G on both sides, G-R-E-G at, at PSL.com. Great way to get a hold of me. And um, really been fun talking with you guys as well. 
Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again, Greg. That was great. Awesome. A- any ask of the audience before we go? Oh, listen, you've got, uh, you know, great ideas, great people. You know, we're always looking for, uh, you know, we're always looking for great talent for, uh, you know, some of these young early companies that are trying to, uh, to change the world. So, um, if you, uh, um, you know, we have obviously job pages and other kinds of things like that, but if you're interested in sort of being a part of this, these crazy, uh, these crazy early stage companies where I think a lot of fun is happening, but they're, they're, they're typically well-funded and, and, and really going and trying to make a difference. Like, um, you can either email me or go to PSL and, and we have, uh, recruiting people and, and, uh, and, and a page that sort of lists a bunch of jobs. And, um, anyway, love to connect about that, of course. Excellent. Again, I think ta- talent is such a, such the scarce resource. So. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to include all the links and everything you've talked about in the show notes too. So that'll be there for the audience. Greg, thanks so much. Again, this was really fun. Well, thank you guys so much. And thanks for doing this and putting out some great information. I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, looking at some of the great podcasts you've done before. And I just think it's a great resource for folks. It means a lot. Appreciate thank it. you. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Bye, Greg. Bye. Bye-bye. What a phenomenal episode, huh, Ty? Yeah, that was great. And we really hope that you got as much out of it, listening to it as we did making it. Thank you for listening. Yes, I second that. Thank you. And don't forget, you can like and subscribe if you wish. We'd rather hear of your thoughts. So tell us what you think of the episode and leave a review, please. Mayhem on, Ty. Yeah, mayhem on, Jacob. (laughs) 